So we're continuing our, our sermon series and formations and looking at really how not only how God forms us, but how God forms the church. The, the church is the body of believer in which God has not only redeemed, but empowered for the revelation of who God is. Therefore, the church is to represent who God is, and this, is, this all begins with us personally. The formation of the church begins with the formation of us as believers. So what role do we play in it? Well, under the grace of God, by giving the church Jesus, not only as the one who reconciles us, but also the one to give us an example of how we are to live. So how are we to be more like Jesus? Well, through the gifts that he's given us, which transforms us and then empowers us to be like him. We started looking in Romans 12 where there are seven gifts that were listed here, and those seven gifts goes along, as I mentioned in, um, in my previous sermon, that First Peter, Ephesians 4, and First Corinthians actually round out all of the gifts of the Spirit. These gifts are given to us from God that is uniquely made and tailored to who you are. Like a snowstorm where every single snowflake is different, God created every single one of us in this room to be different and unique as well. So last week, Pastor Rich introduced the gift of prophecy, and today we will look at the second gift that's listed in Romans 12, 7, which says, if service in our serving. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, um, just for your grace to be upon us. We thank you for your love and how you pour down your spirit to us and you give us good gifts so that we could get so that we could serve you, but not only serve you, but that we could serve our community. And that as we serve our community, it is a reflection of your heart to your people. So Father God, as we, we dig into uh, scripture today, as we look into what you have to say to your church, Lord, may your spirit come and may your spirit empower us through your word so that we know what your heart is for your church. So, Lord, we thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in your Bibles, if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to start there. And now, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. The word uninformed here in the Greek is the same word that we get the word agnostic from. So what Paul is writing here, he's like, I do not want you to be agnostic about spiritual gifts. Agnostic, that word literally means that you can never know the true nature of the existence of God. And Paul is saying, I don't want you to be agnostic in this area. Okay? He said, I want you to know what the spiritual gifts is. What Paul is actually emphasizing here with that word uninformed is he's saying that he... I don't want you to know, to not know what God has given us, but even more so that you don't know what your spiritual gifts are. Paul wants you to know that as a believer and as a Christian, you have spiritual gifts. The word gifts here is where we get the word charisma, which is where we get the word charismatic. But in essence, 
all churches are to be charismatic because we believe that gifts are a part of the church. That it's not a place to separate us and divide us. Oftentimes when we look at churches, we look at, oh, that's a charismatic church and that's not a charismatic church. But in reality, Paul has, is saying that every single church needs to be charismatic. It's not to define us or separate us from each other, but in essence, all churches are charismatic because all churches are given this gift through grace. So let us not start defining churches by whether we're charismatic or not, but let's encourage all churches to live and walk this out. But what I want to point out here is as we continue to see, it says in 1 Corinthians, now there are a variety of gifts, but in the same spirit there are a variety of service, but in the same Lord there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them to everyone. Let me slow this down a little bit for you. It says, in the same spirit, in the same Lord, and in the same God. Oftentimes when we look at the gifts of the spirit, we, we always refer only to the Holy Spirit. But what Paul highlights here is something that I've actually never seen. I've actually read these verses so many times. But what Paul actually highlights here is that there are a variety of gifts, but these gifts are given by the same spirit, Lord, and God. What Paul's intention to remind us is that the spirits are given by the Trinity. It's not just the Holy Spirit that acts in this place, but that, that God is a Trinitarian God, that God gives us these gifts because he created us. That when we look at God and we look at the roles that, that the Trinitarian God plays, we always separate as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. But what Paul gives us here is he's saying that all of these varieties of gifts are given to you by a Trinitarian God. That means that this is a God that knows you. This is a God that created you. This is a God that has formed you into a place where as he gives you these gifts, these gifts are uniquely made for who you are. That these gifts are uniquely made to fit your personality. That these gifts are uniquely designed to, to give you an ability to not only relate to God, but to be Jesus in this place that you, you're, you're called to be. That God knows you. That these gifts are given to you through a God that is holistic. So he, he made you and created you to be holistic in that same way that these gifts are given. So as he, he, he gives us this, he says this, he says that, there are a variety of services, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at how these gifts are, are given to us individually. Like, as you look around here in, your church, in, in our church, just, just look around the congregation. Every single one of you guys are different, right? In our personality and who we are, how God created us to be, what our likes or dislikes are, all those things that, that, that make you uniquely you. It's like, it's like in a symphony, Okay, growing up, I did a lot of classical music through piano and all that kind of stuff, and there's my sister that was in orchestra and all that. In a symphony, there are many, many, many different instruments. Every single instrument plays a different part. They don't all play the same notes. They don't all play the same parts. The drums play a certain thing. The, the cellos play a certain thing. The bass plays a certain thing. The violin plays a certain thing. Have you guys ever listened to as the symphony practices and tunes up? 
it sounds chaotic, right? Everybody's just playing their own thing. Nobody's doing anything. Everybody's just kind of tuning up. But once the conductor gets up there and once the symphony starts to play according to how the conductor conducts it, it becomes what? A masterpiece. And that's what the church is to be. That every single part is very different, but yet when we work together, the church becomes a masterpiece. That this is how God intended it to be, that we are supposed to be different, that we are supposed to play our part, but in our part, we play together with the entirety of the church. And when people are able to witness this, they see the masterpiece of God. They see the intention of God, and they see the heart of God. The gifts of service is what the church is most commonly known for. The word service comes from the word diakonia, which is the word for deacons. This literally means helper or server. The ministry of service is an everyday necessary gift that is both broad and in use and in application. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord. We can look at how Jesus serves to give us an example of how we are to serve. In Matthew 25, it says this. Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me, and I was sick, and you looked after me. And when I was in prison, you came to visit me. And then in verse 40, it says this, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Jesus teaches us by meeting a physical need first, we're able to dig deeper. Jesus was approached by the needy, the disabled, the downcasted, and he met their immediate physical needs through healing. But Jesus also just fed people, like when he fed the 5,000. That was an immediate need that, that the people needed, just because they were hungry. But as Matthew says, that when we meet the immediate physical needs of people in front of us, we are ministering to him directly. The gift of service is compassion ministry, and compassion is where heaven touches earth. And when we become the hands and feet of Jesus, of, and where we become the hands and feet of Jesus on earth, compassion ministry is what actually drew me into my personal ministry. If you look at the love language of Gary Chapman, my highest love language is acts of service, which means that I express my love by doing things for you which is why when I started in ministry, my pole was to urban ministry. The motivation that drew me into ministry was to help the immediate need of people so they could see who Jesus is. St. Francis of Assisi said this, he said, preach Jesus, and if necessary, use words. It doesn't mean to never use words. Don't, get, don't misquote that at all but it means that our actions speak louder than our words. It means that our actions should always point towards Jesus and that our actions is what gives us the ability to preach Jesus. Do you know what solidified my decision to stay at Five Stones when I first moved here? It was the opportunity of service. 
It was the opportunity of service through humanitarian aid that led me to this church. Before I took the title of pastor here at Five Stone, this actually took a, a several years, by the way. Rich kept on trying to put that title on me. I kept on rejecting that title. But my focus and what I loved about this church was how missions-oriented this church was. For those that are new or probably don't see this much today, but this is something that I'm working alongside of our new deacons to reestablish again. Not only to send out missionaries, but also to do missions. When I first joined staff in 2009, I had the opportunity to take on the title of Chief Operating Officer for a Canadian office of an organization called Global Hope Network International. Actually, during this time, a lot of our young, a lot of our young adults of that time um, were very active in serving in this area, and actually a lot of us were drawn into Five Stones because of that same reason. We were serving in a place of, of Five Stones had uh, numerous NGOs, um, GHNI Global Hope being one of them, HISG, we had SCI, we had Kevin and Julia's ministry at that time was called North Star Aid, now they're changed to Nation to Nation. Um, we had Larry and Jean's ministry, Will Go, and it became this incubator for us as young adults to actually do missions. With GHNI, I was able to travel to Sudan, I was able to travel to Ethiopia, to Kenya, to Uganda, and to Jordan to do humanitarian aid work. And we did this for a two-year period where we were able to serve in a place where, where we're meeting immediate needs. I remember on one of the trips to Ethiopia, we were building a school. And I have my, my, my background in architecture, but the way that they build is not anything you learn in architecture. It is so primitive in that way that you're just like, oh, okay, we're literally just digging a trench, put, laying down cinder blocks, putting up some rebar, pouring in some cement, and that's the, the, the structure of the, of the building. And I remember as, a, we were, as we brought a team with us to Ethiopia and we were working alongside the locals in Africa, you work in the morning and you work in the evening. You do not work during the afternoon. Why? Because it is so hot. Between, one and, be, between the, the times of 1 to about 4 o'clock, you just don't work. It is so hot. It is sweltering. And if you work, you're probably going to dehydrate and possibly need some medical help because it's, it, it literally is so hot. So we were in Ethiopia in an area called Dirdawa, and we were building this school. And I remember as we were, I was digging these, we were digging these trenches, and you, you're digging by hand. There's no machineries. Everything was done by hand. Um, and we're digging these trenches to lay down the cinder blocks. And it's hot. It's, it, it, we're, we're sweating. We're tired. And we have all these cinder blocks laid out. Some of us were just tying rebar. I don't know if you guys know how to. You're, you're, you're creating these pillars out of rebar. So you're, you're taking four, four rebarbs and putting them into a, a square block so that you could create a structure with it. And the afternoon hit. Everybody retreats to the, the, the shadows in terms of like, find a tree, sit under the tree, because there's a shadow that actually just, it's a, believe it or not, in the shadow of a tree and outside in the sun, there's a huge difference in temperature. So everybody's just resting under trees, uh, sitting wherever they could find shade. And 
and, and everybody's taking their water break and whatnot. And I noticed there was this one man that was sitting there, and he was just sitting by himself, head tucked between his legs. He's a, one of the locals that were working with us. And he's just sitting there resting. Whereas everybody else was drinking water, he had none. And so I was just like, how could he have no water? And I had an extra water bottle with me, so I grabbed that extra water bottle and I brought it to him and I said, here's some water. The thing with working with some of the locals is that not a lot of them know English. And if they know English, it's very, very little English. And so there was never really any communication. We just kind of worked alongside each other. But there was never, ever, ever really any communications. And so this, this man, I gave him a, a bottle of water and then I just sat beside him. Didn't say a word to him. He said, thank you. Because, and that's the pretty much the only thing he knew in English was thank you. And I sat beside him, not saying a word. He kind of scooted over so that I could lean onto the cinder blocks that he was kind of leaning against to. And so I sat there in complete silence. And then I noticed him picking up uh, a short piece of rebar. And in the ground, he drew a cross. And he kind of nudged me, and I looked over, and he drew a cross. And, he just, and I'm just like, yeah. So I just nodded yes. And then he looked up in the heavens and he just kind of said, gave this hand gesture, and that was it. That was the end of our conversation. For the, once the break was over, we started working again, and once the day was over, our local staff that was there came up to me and he said, John, do you know who that man was that you were working beside? And I was like, no, I, I, don't, I didn't get his name, I didn't get, get anything from him. I'm like, he doesn't really speak English, so we didn't really talk, I just gave him some water. And he's like, well, that man is actually here because he has to pay off a debt. And he says, what do you mean by that? And he's like, well, in tribal wars, he came into this village and he stole. And when they, they say the word stole, it doesn't actually mean that they, he's, he's robbing a convenience store or anything. When they say the word stole, this is literal tribal war where they come in with guns and machetes and they kill each other and so they captured him and he's paying off his debt and so I was just like oh I, I had no idea and he said I noticed he gave him some water and I'm like yeah I did because it's it's hot it's just a basic need that I could fill He's like, you know why he has no water? I'm like, I'm guessing it's because he stole. He's <laughs> like, that's exactly why. And I said to him, why? So what is this? Where is he staying? Where is this man? What is he doing? What is, what's, what's his status? How long does it take for him to pay off his debt? He's like, I don't know. That's between him and him and the, the tribe that arrested him. So I said, to I said to him, well, he drew a cross on the ground for me and he raised his hands to praise Jesus like he knew what it went, meant. And he's like, this man has no idea who Jesus is. But seeing you foreigners here doing something like this and you extending grace to him makes him think that the cross must mean something. Now, I don't know what, what happened to this man. I'm not sure the outcome of that. But what I do know was that there was a connect. And that connect opened up an opportunity for deeper healing. When we do simple acts of service, we become the conduit 
for heaven to touch earth. In the book of Mark, there's a story of James and John. James and John is basically, if you know Jesus' inner circle, it was James, John, and Peter. And James and John comes up to Jesus, and they kind of launch this preemptive strike, hoping to secure kind of their honor. And they go up to Jesus, and they're like, they, they, they ask Jesus to, if the, they could sit on the left and right hand when they go into the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. And Jesus replied to them. I mean, this caused quite a stir, you could imagine, with the other disciples. It's like, how dare you? Like, we're all doing the same work. How dare you ask for this honor? Right? But Jesus says this in response to their, their request. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. The foundations of the Christian life is actually to be in service to God, a service that is lived out to others. The focus of Christian ministry is love of God that is fleshed out in love of others. There's simply no way around this. Being a disciple means being a servant. Being what God regards us as a great disciple means that God regards us to be a great servant. Service is not about us. It is not good enough for Christians just to do good things for people if our motive is self-centered. It is not good enough for a Christian to help folks if our goal is just to use the people we help for our own benefit. It is not good enough for a church to have a good, reputable ministry if our only goal is to make ourselves bigger, stronger, and more respected. To focus on ourselves and never to think about others and to focus on others with an eye on what is more, what is, it, what is in for us is very unchristian and unchurch. The substance of Christian living and Christian ministry is self-emptying. God-centered, other-focused, sacrificial service, and it can be no other way. Jesus then goes on to say this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ, the Messiah of God and the Savior of the world, came not to be served, but to serve. Now you might say, yes, but only Jesus could serve in the way that he did because only Jesus could give his life as a ransom for sin and you would be right. Only Jesus could live and die to save people from their sin. That does not change the fact, though, that Jesus called his followers to share in a life like his, a life of obedience, of service, and of sacrifice. That is what it means to be a Christian. The method of Christian ministry is service. The rationale for that service is Jesus. It can only there it can be no other way. In first in first John three sixteen it says this we know love by this that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's good and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help. 
our, se- our, our service demonstrates God's love to one another. It says, the Bible also says in John 13, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you what? If you love one another. To love one another means to serve one another. To serve one another means that you're extending Jesus into the, this world. Everything that we do as a church, every compassion ministry that we do, everything that motivates us to actually serve others needs to, be, needs to come out of that place of what Jesus did for us. Two weeks ago, as I introduced this sermon series, I said it is, is through that grace, right? The grace that Jesus has given us. What is that grace that Jesus has given us? Jesus gave us the grace of forgiving our sins. That it is in that grace that we remember who we are, that we remember our place. Sometimes we forget who we are. We forget when, when things are good, we forget that we're still sinners. It's easier for us to look at everybody else's sin, but to look at our own sin, sometimes we forget. And we need to remind ourselves of that grace every single day. This is us preaching the gospel to ourselves every single day, remember? That by preaching the gospel to ourselves is reminding us that Jesus died for me. Today, Jesus died for me yesterday, Jesus died for me tomorrow. That I live in a place where I need Jesus every single day. That I need Jesus every single moment. And when we get to that place, we are then able to say that I am able to extend Jesus unto others. How? By service unto others. One of the things that we're, we're leading this year is through our deacons, is, is an action center. And that action center for us is actually outreach to, 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 to our community here in New West. And we may be able to extend that further, but the action center is utilizing money that, are, that is profit from Hive Cafe. And this year, we, we got a really good chunk. We, we actually, our, our profits from Hive Cafe this year, after all of our expenditures and all of the things of operational costs, we have $5,000 to give back into the community. And I've charged my deacons to think of ways in which we could bless the city. How do we take this $5,000 and not use it for anything else but to bless the city? Why do we want to do that? Because we want to serve the city. We want to be a service to the city, and so my deacons are going to do that. And this is an opportunity for the church to actually come around and do that too so that my deacons start announcing these ideas. Or maybe you have an idea. Maybe you're thinking, hey, I actually have an idea. I'm not a deacon. Can I do this? Yes, you can. I want you to, be, to feel that freedom to actually suggest ideas to, to, to the staff and to the deacons so that we can start executing these things together. But what we want to do is we want to be able to serve our community. Why? So that people can know the glory of who Jesus is. That we're able to meet a felt need first. That we don't preach the gospel until we meet that felt need because that's how Jesus did it. Jesus healed. Jesus fed. Jesus did all of those things before he actually talked to them about the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because by doing those things, that is the kingdom of heaven. That is Jesus' that's God's hand reaching down onto earth, and that's where heaven and earth intersect. It's through service. Now I said at the beginning of the sermon that ser- service is both broad in its application and in, in, in how we do things. So literally, 
every single one of you guys have an idea of a way that you could serve others. And I want to encourage you to act upon those things. Sometimes we live in a society where we're actually a little shy. We get to this place where it's like, oh, I want to do this thing, but I don't know how they're going to receive it. Maybe they won't receive it well, and we, we start thinking about all these things, and we, 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 we psych ourselves out in so many ways. It's like, oh, maybe they don't, and by the time, uh, when, when that time comes around, it's already too late, and you're like, oh, I really missed that opportunity. But I, wanna, I really, really want to challenge you guys today to think about, how could I serve my neighbors? And your neighbors could be p- literally people that live beside you, or they could be the people that you work with, or they could be just people that you know. How could I serve my neighbors in a way that Jesus wants me to serve? In a way that, that exemplifies who God is. That in a way that exemplifies of what Jesus is doing in my life. How could I fill a need just as Jesus fills my needs? Just as Jesus is my provider, that he is Jehovah Jireh for, for myself. How could I be that provider for others? Just do it. Simple act of kindness. Simple act of service. Do it today. Think about it. Do it today. Do it this week. I, I, I encourage this church to do that. And I think that by doing these things immediately is going to s- start creating a new culture within this church. A culture of service. A culture where we're able to, to really be Jesus in our community. Right? Can we do that together, church? Can we think of that one act this week to do? I don't need testimonies. I love testimonies of what, ha- what the outcomes of, of those things are. We don't need those things to validate what we do. But I want you guys to be able to do that. And then if you have a testimony to encourage the church, I would love for you to be able to encourage the church as well. Our service demonstrates God's love to others. In serving others, it allows Jesus to be seen in us. First Peter 4.11 says this, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength of God. The strength of God provides so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. That's why we do it, church. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for just who you are. We thank you for your word and just your giftings upon the church. And Lord, as we we step into the gift of service, Lord, may you teach us your ways, teach us your heart, teach us your will, teach us the way that you move so that we're able to do the same. Lord, may this church be a church that gives you glory. May this church be a church that represents who you are. And so, Lord, in our service, we give that all unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to connect um, the first gift to the second gift. <clears throat> Last week, shared on prophecy. This week, Pastor John shared on service. And you know what? There's a, <clears throat> a wave of the Spirit that's going to come through this church in the area of service. There's going to be a wind of the Spirit that's going to blow through this church. That wind represents fresh oxygen from heaven. You're going to feel your lungs filled with the oxygen of the Spirit of God. 
There's going to be a fresh energy, fresh vitality. In the midst of COVID, you may feel like you've been reduced to ashes, but you know what? The Spirit of God is going to cause you to rise up. Like we've been praying in the fall from Ezekiel 37, that God is going to cause His army to rise up. The dry bones that have been in the valley are going to rise up. And there's going to be a new wave, a new wind of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be oxygen to this church. This whole gift of service, I believe, is striking a chord. It's, it's going down into a well, and there's going to be a gush of water, a gush of water that will be a supply to many, many people in this community. And while we're worshiping here on this last song, I just Holy Spirit just gave me this picture of this waft of God's presence just going from this location and just emanating over the city. And he's going to use you and me in tangible ways and in big ways. We're going to have some really strategic things, and we're going to have some hidden things, but they're all as a worship unto the Lord. One of the pictures that Jesus gave to us in Matthew 5 of what the church is, you will be a city set on a hill. Let your good works be seen, be seen before men that they may give glory to God. So we ask you, God, to fulfill that in us. Cause us to be a city set on a hill. Let the gift of service, Father God, just powerfully move through this church. Let it pulsate, Father God. Begin to quicken in us. Begin to quicken in the deacons. (coughs) Begin to quicken, Lord, what this action center can look like. Anoint the leaders. Anoint Pastor John, Father God. Let divine inspiration come that we can build up the welfare of this city. And it can be said that Five Stones Church had a part in that. So let your anointing fall. Let your presence fall. Let the joy, God, and the prospect of reaching out our hands to serve God invigorate us. We bless you now, God, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.